You're listening to the Collective Church podcast. For more information, please visit our website, thecollectivechurch.ca.za. So the title of my preach this morning is All These Things, right? Taken from the text from Matthew 6 verse 33. Uh, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Now I think you can read that in two ways. It's like, but seek first the kingdom of God and all these, and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Or it can be, and all these things will be added to you, right? Um, So I just felt like sometimes you speak about these things and everyone sits on the the edge of their chairs. It's like, ooh, he's going to tell me how all these things can be added to us. So, um, but... That's the title of my preach. It cannot be the title of our hearts, can it? All these things. It cannot be the dominant thought. But it sounds great, doesn't it? Just like it sounds so simple. Like all these things will be added to you. It sounds so simple. And I think it's a scripture that's always fascinated me, uh, intrigued me. But like, what does it actually mean? Because if you think about it, the, the world, us, our whole lives are generally centered around all these things, right? When you're thinking about what work you're going to do one day when you're young, or maybe you're older and you're now thinking, what work am I going to do next? It influences it, you know. You might shut down passions inside of yourself because, like, okay, well, that's what I really want to do. That's what I really feel called to do, but it's not going to pay for all these things, right? And so we make decisions based around what's going to pay for all these things. So, um, life pivots around all these things generally, the way we live in reality and everyday life, right? But are things wrong? Obviously not. Yeah? <laughs> That's your audio Bible, what? <laughs> what does Siri say about all these things? Yeah? Yeah? But they're not wrong, right? They're a good thing. And the context of the scripture is actually anxiety. So the question is, what level of anxiety are we living with around all of these things? That's what it's speaking into. The opposite of um, anxiety is calmness or serenity. So maybe another question would be, what level of calmness or serenity am I experiencing as I think about all these things, all these bills I have to pay, all of these things that we have to do. And you know, Ecclesiastes 1 verses 9 says that there's nothing new under the sun, right? This has been the case very, since the very beginning, probably since the fall. I can imagine probably Adam back in the day is like, like what happens if I don't find a leaf? You know, to cover his shame. It's like, how embarrassing if I cannot find a leaf, you know. Am I going to be able to find a big enough leaf, you know? <laughs> like, eh? <laughs> how embarrassing. But it's, you know, it's been like that since the very beginning. There's nothing new under the sun, right? Um, but maybe we can just, let's turn. Let's read uh, Matthew 6. I'd like to read verse uh, 25 to 34. I'm reading from the ESV. Just to to read the whole context. It's titled, Do Not Be Anxious. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, 
know about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not, not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider how the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Beautiful grasses of the fields, much more beautiful than cotton on. <laughs> oh, you have little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, the unbelievers, seek after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Isn't it an amazing promise that we get to seek his kingdom and everything else that we need will be taken care of? It's a beautiful, beautiful, simple promise. And I love it that Jesus is the one that is sharing this, right? It's Jesus. It's not through Paul or whatever. It's literally from Jesus who knows what it is. God on earth who knows what it is to be real, right? He knows what it is to be human. You know, I was walking out walking um, a little while back, and I looked, looked down at my hands, and I was like, oh my word. Jesus knew what it was like to look down at his own flesh and blood hands, right? He knew what it was to walk this earth, and, and he understands us. He understands the, the hustle. He sees the frantic people and what people around him were doing back in the day, because there's nothing new under the sun and what they were doing, and the concerns about all these things. And what does he do? He takes it down. He says, chill out. My yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And he tells all those with heavy burdens to come, on, come to him, come to him. Simplify life. You know, twice leading up to this scripture in Matthew 6, Jesus says, the Father knows, right? The Father knows. He's got you. Don't overcomplicate things. And he speaks into two things. In, in, um, he talks about simplifying your prayer life. And he talks about simplifying the way we go after the things in life in terms of things, right? So Matthew 6, where he teaches us to pray, uh, verses 7 to 13. He says, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard from their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. The most incredible prayer, how He teaches us to, to engage with the Father. He says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And I love verse 10. I mean, it becomes like a, an anthem, right? Almost like a, a title of our lives on earth. Your kingdom come, 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because when his kingdom comes, his will gets done. He gets his way, right? On earth as it is in heaven. And what is the will of any good dad? The will of any good dad is that his kids are in a good space. They looked after, they whole, they're happy, they're fed. They've got full tummies when they go to bed, right? And, um, you know, one of my favorite things to do, like my absolute favorite things to do, if you ask me my passion, is to cook for my family. It's just, I love it, right? It's just been, hey? <laughs> and the thing is, my kids sometimes don't know what's for dinner, right? But they find me when it's dinner time, they find the feast, right? <laughs> So they come and it's like, okay, it's dinner time. They'll come down and they're like, what's for dinner today? You know, and like, oh, maybe it's crispy Asian pork. And they're like, oh, wow, yes, you know. But it's the same with us and our father. We find him and we find what he's serving. We find what he's prepared for us. He goes before and thinks of us and prepares things for us. And we get to come in the wake of that and say, oh, wow, I didn't know we were having that today. Lord, right? As we find him. Friends, the kingdom of God is a very real kingdom. It's not an out there thing. And we can't feast on the things that the king has for us, our father has for us, unless we're at the table, unless we found him at his table and find what he's serving. You know, we've referenced the prodigal son many times in preachers over the last while, right? But that's the, the difference. It speaks, it's such a great story, and I think that's why we keep coming back to it. It's the, the prodigal son that's been hustling in his own effort for his food. And what does he do? He comes back to the father's house. All he does is come back to the father's house, and he finds the feast, right? The father found his father. He found the feast. And so for me today, it's, there's an invitation from Jesus to live in simplicity, to seek the kingdom, because if we seek the kingdom, to seek the kingdom is to find where heaven is touching earth, right? Where heaven is touching earth. You find that, you find him, you find the feast. And so what I wanted to do today is just to break that scripture down into three areas. There's seek first, there's the kingdom and his righteousness. And I wanted to start with the kingdom because what is the kingdom, right? If you don't know what you're looking for, you can't seek something first if you don't know what you're looking for, right? Um, and I love how some translations talk about the kingdom. They translate it heaven's realm. The kingdom is at hand, John the Baptist, Jesus. The kingdom is at hand. It's right here. It's heaven's realm that is right here, ready for the taking because of Jesus. You find his kingdom, just to demystify it, when things around you look and feel like heaven. There's a tangibility. It's not an out there ethereal thing that maybe one day when I will discover his kingdom. No. When things around you look and feel like heaven, you have found his kingdom. And the beautiful thing is that the king, our king, is never absent from his kingdom. You find him. You find his kingdom. So in other words, you experience his presence like we did this morning. You've tasted and seen his kingdom 
today, this morning, in worship, as you experience His presence. And so, friends, it's just an encouragement to seek His face, to seek the presence of Jesus in every aspect of our lives. You know, yesterday I was walking uh, Mila to her ballet. And I was asking her her thoughts. I'm like, what does it mean to you to seek first his kingdom? And she was sharing her thoughts and, um, on what she thought it meant. And then I said to her, you know, Mila, it's, his kingdom needs to be discovered in every aspect of our lives. It's not this, it's here, and we get to experience it here, and then we go about the rest of our lives. It needs to get experienced in every aspect of our life. And she was just saying, she's like, yes, actually, you know, there's sometimes when I'm dancing where I just feel such delight, such joy, and I can feel his presence, and I have to stop and just try and close my eyes for a moment and just say like, oh, Jesus, thank you, thank you, and experience him. That's, that's experiencing his kingdom in her ballet, in everyday ordinary things. That's experiencing his kingdom. You know, Friday night we watched um, a movie. Why don't you put that up, Mila? A, a beautiful day in the neighborhood, right, with some, with some friends. You can find his kingdom in a movie while watching a movie. And I don't know who, if they ma who made this, if they're Christians or not. But there's a kingdom message that comes through this movie. And it was like the Holy Spirit was just like reaching into my heart. Not because of any bold soundtrack and... You know, somebody's just died or something super emotive. There were kingdom things about seeing and valuing the person in front of you, right? And it just like cut straight through to my heart. I'm telling you, the impact of that movie, I was driving afterwards to go pick up Maddie from youth, was just the presence of Jesus. I was like, oh my word, I haven't been impacted like that. You know, even in so, like some sermons, you know, don't hit you like that. You can experience his kingdom in all things, everyday things. Then his righteousness, right? What does that mean? And you seek his kingdom and his righteousness. How do you find his righteousness? Again, there it can be a potentially sometimes we can see that as an out there type of concept, you know. Seek his righteousness. And tomorrow, while I'm going to, to work, like what does that actually mean? And I'm not saying this is the fullness of it. But for me, if you read in Romans uh, 3.21, it says that Jesus is the righteousness of God, right? So in a simple form, you find Jesus, you find his righteousness. Jesus is a person. <laughs> and we get to pursue him in all things. Just to break it down to a very practical level. How do you find his righteousness in your work tomorrow? Find Jesus, you found the righteousness of God. And that righteousness of God has become our righteousness, hasn't it? A free gift imparted to us. This is not like, okay, seek first his righteousness. How am I going to position myself this week as a work? No, no. It's falling back into the grace of Jesus, finding his face, and experiencing the righteousness of God that gets given to us. It's beautiful, isn't it? We get to daily celebrate our salvation. And then the seek first part. Now, I mean, I've briefly outlined kingdom and righteousness. That is by no means a comprehensive take on what the righteousness of Jesus, of God is, or his kingdom. It's, a multi, it's very simple, but it's multi, multi-layered. 
and multifaceted. It's beautiful. But what does it mean to seek first? You know, what comes to mind when you ask, like, hey, next week, seek first the kingdom of God? Does it mean you, you know, okay, I better, I need to take things down at work and I need to maybe take a sabbatical. I maybe need to, you know, become a monk on a hill or, you know, maybe for you it's like, okay, next week I'm going to start every day with a quiet time because then I'm seeking first the kingdom. Um, and that's a great idea. It's a great idea. I actually heard a study this week that talked about one, two, three times a week exposed to scripture, very little impact on you. Fourth time, things spike. I don't know why. I didn't go into the, the whole study, but there's a momentum of when you submit yourself to what the kingdom is, right? So it's a good thing to start the day with a, with a quiet time. But like, then you just carry on with the rest of your life and like, cool, all these things must be added because I, I started the day with the kingdom first, right? And then I engage in the rest of life. No, that's seeing like the spiritual before the practical or the earthly, right? And I think we are unpacking that and that's a massive thing that we need to deconstruct. What is spiritual? What is earthly? Holy, not holy. It's a massive thing that needs to be deconstructed. And what I love about Jesus' heart is that he's now telling everyone, he comes and he starts his ministry, he's telling everyone what the kingdom is, right? And what does he do to describe what the kingdom is? He chooses professions of the day to describe what the kingdom is like. The very daily things that people are going about doing, he uses to describe in the parables, right? The, uh, the farmer who sows the seed, the, the merchant who, you know, uh, goes and sells everything to buy a pearl, the property buyer, the, the fishermen who throw out their nets, the very things that they were doing on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, the baker, you know, Maybe in today's terms, it would be a, a coffee shop, you know, hey, we bake, maybe the coffee shop owner, right? And so I just thought about that in, in, in practical terms, um, you know, like the kingdom, Miller, will you put that next slide up? The kingdom of God is like a coffee shop owner who all he wanted to do was share the love, right? <laughs> and make delicious coffee for people and see their days brightened and for them to walk into their day with hope in their heart. That's what the kingdom of God is like. But then there were some grumpy, hard-hearted people who received that coffee and said, I need to take to Facebook and Twitter to tweet because I'm unhappy with what I received today in the coffee shop. Okay? The barista greeted me and said, good morning, chief. And after all, I'm not a North American Indian, right? <laughs> True story, guys. <laughs> True story. You know, and I'm certainly not the leader of that North American Indian group. How dare you call me chief, you know? Um, Hard-heartedness, and you cannot receive the love and the joy of this. But then there were other sad-hearted people that came in and they got the lovely coffee and they got the smile and they got shown the love and they responded and they became daily customers and they even went onto Instagram and pushed like, right? <laughs> yeah. But it's like, what would Jesus, if he walked this planet today, what parables would he tell to reach our hearts to explain what his kingdom is like? 
He uses everyday things. And friends, I wanted to say it's not a magic pill. Seek first the king, all these things will be added, right? Paul says, if a man will not work, he will not eat. It's not in contradiction. It's about the kingdom impacting the very real day. We need to work. We need to bring the kingdom in. We don't just have a quiet time or give ourselves to things that are spiritual and then like, okay, God, now I'm waiting. Where's all this stuff? No, no. He's got things to say about all these things that we, uh, we get to do. And as I said, I love the fact that Jesus was so normal. Um, I don't know if I put that scripture up there, Mila, but uh, Matthew 13. After he's explained all of these parables, right? Um, yeah, Matthew 13, verses 53. After he's just explained all of these parables, it says, And when Jesus had finished these parables, he went away from there, and coming to his hometown, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and all these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is, this, is not his mother called Mary? And are not his brothers James, Joseph, Simon and Judas? And not, are not all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. Right? Jesus was so normal... He was so flesh and blood, they took offense at him. It's like, how can this guy be telling us and demonstrating these things? Yeah. These days we have a hard time believing God uh, is, is man. Those days they had a hard time believing Jesus the man was God, right? It was that normal and that every day that they actually couldn't receive this. And out of that place, Jesus teaches us to pray, your kingdom come heaven to be demonstrated on earth. He doesn't ask for us to be removed from this earth to go to heaven. In John, he prays that to his father, don't remove them from this earth, right? He asks us that he mandates us to bring what's in heaven down to earth and to impact our everyday situations. And so if we are to seek first that thing, the affections, our affections need to be in the right place. Why? Because you default to do what you love to do, right? The first thing you do is what you love to do. Can you identify? There's some things that you just put off, put off, put off. Other things that just, oh, yes, I'll just do this. Because it's so easy, you default to it. And so if our affections are in the right place, we default to seeking after him first. Because we love him, right? Obviously, leading up to the scripture in, in Matthew 6, he deals with two heart issues. You know, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth. He deals with, like, because where your treasure is, there your heart will be. In other words, what you love is where your heart would be. Uh, and he goes after God and money. You cannot love both God and money. Again, they're not evil. You just cannot have them in the wrong, uh, the wrong place. And so, if we to seek first the kingdom, our affection or our love for things needs to be outlaid, uh, outweighed by our love or our affection uh, for Jesus, right? Now the whole context, as I said earlier, of the scripture is anxiety. And I just wrote up something on anxiety. It's, I said, anxiety uses your imagination to drain you of your energy. Imagining a future where God does not have your back, where God is not present. 
for me, anxiety is an imagination thing, right? It's using your imagination for evil, you know? It's like, use your powers for good and not for evil, right? Um, because it, it, it brings up a whole bunch of what-ifs. It's imagination. What if the sales don't come in this month and we can't pay the bills and then the dit 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 dit, right? What if I go and speak to that person about that thing and they respond badly and then this happens and then and 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 we go down this rabbit trail using our creativity and our God-given creativity and mind for evil actually. Um, but we need to learn to engage our minds and our creativity for good. And so for me, that's like asking the question, what does it look like for your kingdom to come to earth? Right? What does that look like? Imagine that. Break it down further. Okay, come to earth. What does it look like for your kingdom to come to Johannesburg? In Johannesburg as it is in heaven. In my family as it is in heaven. In my marriage as it is in heaven. In my relationships as it is in heaven. My work as it is in heaven. What does that look like? And I took two days um, this last week in my, during my morning walk. And a good portion of that I gave it to like, okay, I'm going to imagine a future where the kingdom of God has broken into the collective church into my work, into my marriage, like literally start imagining what that looks like, right? And it was an incredible, um, incredible time. And in that process, it was like, okay, well, the kingdom of God is also where the nature of God gets displayed, right? So what would it look like if the nature of God was displayed in my marriage? You know, what would it look like where the nature, the, 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 the actual nature of God gets displayed between Kirsty and myself. What would that look like? And, you know, obviously Ephesians 6 then popped to mind about Christ lying, laying down his life for the church. Let me actually quickly, let me just quickly read that. Uh, Ephesians 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. If you want the Father's nature to be displayed, live like Jesus. So husbands, what would it look like in our marriages if we laid our lives down for our wives the way Christ did for the church? That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. In the same way Jesus has laid his life down and loved us, we get to lay down and display the nature of God in our marriages, you know? And, like, for me, what's so powerful... Actually, no, I'll get to that, I'll get to that just now. So, what I wanted to do... To do, and we'll, we'll end with this as, a, as a, an exercise for you to, to do this week, is to imagine, think back over this last week or weeks, the things that have caused you the most anxiety, the most worry, right? Identify those things and then literally take a time, maybe by going for a walk, maybe by journaling, maybe just by praying and using your imagination, 
But think about what it would look like, that anxious thing, if the Lord broke in and did something in that, in that sphere. If the kingdom had to come, if his nature had to be displayed to those areas that have caused you, righteous, uh, caused you anxiety. Kirsty mentioned in the prayer meeting earlier that Romans uh, 14, 17, that the kingdom of God is righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. How much joy and peace and righteousness, in other something of Jesus, am I experiencing in, in those areas, in all these things? It's a good question for us to ask. Because if we get to see and imagine what the nature of God looks like in our marriage, right? If we go down there and we, see, we visualize that future of the kingdom of God, the nature of God breaking out in our marriage, that gives me a picture. We see the end, right? That then gives me a hope. I'm not imagining all of these horrible outcomes to these things. I've got a picture. I've got a hope. And that then I know how to position myself now. It's like, oh, I've seen a picture of what that looks like. Well, I've got a glimpse. And it helps me today to position myself uh, to how to get there. It's like, oh, that's how I'll get there. Um, you know, last week, Kirsty talked about, also a bit about it, in imagining in some sense, I think, about imagine you had that wealthy fa father, that wealthy landowner, father of wisdom, you know, that if anything goes wrong, he's got this. Not that you're the spoiled brat that just wants to go and think, but imagine anything that has gone wrong emotionally, uh, spiritually, work, I don't have enough. You go to your dad and he's got this, right? It's like you, that's, they're using your imagination to actually bring down what is in heaven. Focus on what is ever is good and pure and holy. And friends, we need to get rid of the, the mental energy, the negative mental energy that consumes minds and drains us so that we can free up mental space for God's thoughts, for creativity, for creative strategy, for finding Jesus, for finding Jesus' strategy, for finding His wisdom into all of these specific things. Kirsty also spoke uh, a while back about how our minds are putty, right? How we get molded by the things that we're exposed to. And um, I love how God knows how our minds are made, right? He knows that how to mold us for good. He knows if you focus on things above, that it changes us. We have our minds renewed, and it impacts the everyday, the things on the earth below. And so all these things that we focus on, all of these things, they can't have our first affection. They can't have our first thought. Our motivation, not just in the morning at the quiet time, but from morning to evening, needs to be um, finding His presence, finding the nature of God displayed in every aspect of our life. No area is, is exempt from that. We get to find Him in the busy streets, in the businesses, our businesses, in our families, in our friendships. We get to find Him every day because, as I said, you find His voice, means you found him, you found his face. And in that space, we get to ask him, Jesus, what do you think about this? Right? So it's not a magic pill. Seeking the kingdom 
is actually seeking the wisdom of God into all of these things. And that's why all of these things just get added. Right? It's not because I do something spiritual, therefore Jesus is going to give me this, you know, take care of it. No, no. We're finding his wisdom daily in all of these things. He knows exactly how to navigate our relationships, um, our investing, our leisure, our fun, our family, all of these things. He knows exactly because they were his invention, right? He came up with them. And so for me, it's just an invitation. It's a simple invitation today. Jesus, like Kirsty was saying a week or two ago, come, you know, come walk on the water with me, come. There's this open invitation from Jesus to say, come, come, let's do this together. Let's come together and do this. Let's see heaven manifested on earth around you. Good. Okay. Amen. And... So I'm quite a practical guy, and I just, will you put that last slide up, Mila? I just think, you know, we can hear things and it can just be like, okay, go on. But the power of using your imagination in ex expectant what the Father is going to do in your life, especially in those areas that have completely sapped you and drained you and almost made you not functional as a human being sometimes, Right? Um, we need to identify those things and say, Jesus, what do you say about this? What does this look like with you in my future? Right? So I've just prepared a little um, worksheet for you. You can hand out, yeah, or even put it at the back. But um, just to take away, just as a practical exercise, as I said, write it or go for a walk and imagine it. But I just really wanted to encourage you to engage with Jesus on those things. Because, friends, if we can demystify and we can take away the power of anxiety in our lives can you imagine right can you imagine what the Lord can do uh, can do through us so it's, yeah, it's just a very practical thing for you to take home and, and do in your own time conscious of the challenge of what these areas hold and Rob was like thank you for listening for more information please visit our website thecollectivechurch.co.za